I need to know more. I'm desperate to know more about these two, the backstory. I have to have more information. Give me the data. <laughs> Welcome to the Marvelous Madams podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking. Oh, holy shit, fuckballs. Madams, <laughs> assemble. Well, that was unexpected. Yeah, that was the plan. So I don't know what happened. I went to bed in my home in coastal Maryland last night, and I woke up in Westview. Get me out. I don't want to be here. (laughs) Yeah, this was a crazy episode, and it was so much fun. Guys, you're going to hear the phrase, quote, if it's real, a lot in this episode. This is another drinking game. Yeah, smoke some weed if you got it. Oh, you'll be completely blazed at the end of this episode. Not recommended. You would reach Westview, most likely. You know what my biggest takeaway from this episode is? Since we have no idea, you know, what's real, what isn't, where it's going, nothing. My biggest takeaway is that wherever Kevin Spacey is right now, this Wednesday morning, I hope that he has several just anxiety riddled hours today wondering why he's trending on twitter and what the media may have discovered about his time on set for the usual suspects (laughs) and just a note for everyone throughout this episode i will have on my tinfoil hat and amy will be wearing her philosopher's babushka what (laughs) fucking you and your babushkas you're the one who brought up philosophy earlier (laughs) yeah you got nothing I hate you. Yeah, so it's safe to say we nor none of us saw the ending to episode four coming. No, but it certainly captivated you. Yeah, so I was eating a little bowl of blueberries while watching uh, episode four of Moon Knight, and I still had a couple by the time Stephen slash Mark wakes up in the psych ward, and I didn't realize I was holding that spoon to my mouth for four minutes. It was just hanging there. Yeah, she was like that. Wasn't there an ad, like, ages ago, some toy where the kid was just holding cereal and it just went flying away from the spoon? Probably. Because some awesome toy came in. Yeah, I think Oscar Isaac himself could have walked into my living room and I wouldn't have noticed. (laughs) (laughs) So. We both thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Yes, we did. It felt like return to form. I don't know. That's another thing you're going to hear a lot today, folks. I was so happy. So happy to have Steven back. Yeah, me too. And he's he's fantastic. Oh my I love God. Him. I know we're beating a dead horse here. Dead camel, whichever you want to go with. But Oscar Isaac is just doing a phenomenal job here. He is. And I have to say, I do appreciate Stephen saying hello to the camels because I'm very capable of doing that myself. I swear to God, when he did that, I said, oh, my God, he's just like Amy, because every time (laughs) we're on FaceTime and you see one of my my zoo, you go, hello, hello. Just the exact same way he did. I'm like, oh my God, if Amy ever goes to Egypt, she's totally going to say hello to the camels in that same way. 
I I have a confession to make. Oh boy. So I have been around camels and elephants and other such animals and I have always chatted with them. Not in a like they're going to respond way, but just, hey, uh, you know, just don't drop me. Let's be friends. Why would you say that's a confession you have? I, along with my other, you know, dog and cat people totally understand. I say I love you more to my animals than I do to my husband. He does it too. (laughs) This is life when you have animals. I talk to them all day. Yeah, but these are not my animals. So what? You know, people look at me weird when I do that. That's because they're assholes. There were a couple of times that I had to stop playback on the episode because I was just dying laughing. Yeah, it was really funny, this episode. (laughs) When Mark managed to take enough control to punch Steven in the face, I lost it. Yeah, Yeah, just for that split second, just to punch himself. (laughs) Yes. I'm sure the best part is that Mark hurt himself exactly and not steven (laughs) (laughs) that's like the ultimate in cutting off your nose to spite your face you know yeah (laughs) but this episode overall especially once we get into the tomb it made me want to play the tomb raider games again and the uncharted games not enough to make you want to watch the uncharted movie though is it well, I haven't seen it, so I'm reserving judgment. I- I'm not going to spend money to see it in the theater. Let's put it that way. Oh, no. No, no, no. And don't act like that's the only reason you want to play Tomb Raider. Anyway, moving on. Hey, <laughs> no. You. I know. I know what happens in Tomb Raider. I know what Tomb Raider's famous for. You can't get away with that one. I was talking about the rebooted Tomb Raider. Sure you not were. Not triangle boobs. And just because your mind is always in the gutter doesn't mean mine is, okay? This is a woman who texted me two hours ago and said, the guy who just came to see the house has a nice ass. The first time I ever said that in two years. <laughs> <laughs> and props to May Kalamawi. She was also very good as Layla in this episode. Yes, she was. And we get a little more characterization with her. And she got a little bit more to work with rather than just being Mark slash Stephen's sounding board. Yes. Dot, dot, dot. If she's real. Oh, she's real. I mean, she may not be real as Layla, ex-wife to Mark, but she could be another patient in the psych ward. Either way, she's real. Wife to Mark. Almost ex-wife. I'm still... Not quite sure how I feel about Layla as a character. She is certainly resourceful and can take care of herself much better than I can. So how queasy were you when that Hekka priest was dismembering that dude? I was actually fine with that. And props to the sound designers on that one. I was freaking out. I was freaking out more when Layla was hanging from the cliff. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. And walking on the ledge. Yes. I was stressed. Yeah, I do not like heights. Me neither. Um, I found myself counting the number of times I personally would have died in this episode. <laughs> what was the number at? Like a hundred? Oh, well, I would never have made it out of the desert. Five, True. five minutes yes. in the Egyptian sun and I'm roast pork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. 
10 minutes later, you would be a mummy. Pretty much. <laughs> I'd be like be on the ground screaming, I need my potassium pills. <laughs> so, yes, Layla is super resourceful. She is the one who gets her and Steven out of trouble early on when he's knocked out. Yes, and she is capable of taking people one on one, but she's not she knows that she's not capable of taking on a machine gun. So she decided to take that out of the picture completely. Yes, very true. Knows her limitations. Yes. But in terms of what we see, whether it's real or not, whether it's projections from Mark's mind or something else, I'm not sure how I feel about her based on her relationship with Mark. There was one line that really stood out to me from her early on when she says to Stephen about Mark, the suit was his best feature and he didn't even have that anymore. Ooh. No, not a good look, but I understand where she's coming from. I mean, Mark has been lying to her constantly. He lied and didn't tell her he had a major mental disorder. That's pretty big. And then he, it add to that, he's left her. He wants to get a divorce. And then he's left her hanging by not signing the papers. Right. But here's the thing. So a statement like that saying the suit was his best feature and he didn't even have that. That's a, it's a very gold diggerish kind of statement. But combine that with her falling for Stephen, who is so different from Mark. It makes me ask, what the hell were you doing with Mark in the first place? Why were you with him? Yeah, this was never a healthy relationship. So what was she doing with him in the first place? Ask anyone who's ever been in a terrible relationship. They weren't thinking or they had their own issues that they needed to work out. Clearly, she has issues. Right. Or is it because he had the suit? And that's what she was attracted to was the idea of this swashbuckling superhero. Like there's a way she can come out looking very bad in this. Yeah, it could be that she was attracted to him because of that, because again, she has issues with her dad dying. So if this guy is essentially invulnerable or he can heal himself. That's a fair point. And also in episode two, when Steven summons the suit and he comes out looking like Psycho Colonel Sanders, she did have a look of, whoa. She, she said that looks different. There was a glint in her eye. Mm -hmm. I think they're standing on a frozen pond right now with Layla and the ice is precariously thin. There's potential for it to go very wrong in terms of her representation. Uh-huh. So, but it's only a possibility. I think there's also an equally strong possibility that she comes out looking like a great character. But I think part of the frustration is we don't have any kind of timeline. It's very muddled as to, okay, when did Mark get the suit? versus when he and Layla met, versus when the DID began, versus when different altars were out. There's so much we don't know and can't put in proper context because they, we don't know what, when they happened in relation to one another. Sure, but we do have one answer now. Which is? So Mark says that it was his partner that killed Layla's father. Right. And he got shot. 
And in the comics, we know that that is how Mark died and then got resurrected through Khonshu and all that stuff that has happened. So it is likely that Mark met Layla when he had the suit after he'd been resurrected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did get that answer, but still murky as to how long he's had the DID and exactly how aware he is of how it works, how much treatment he's gotten, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think it is murky on purpose because I don't think he wants to deal with it as much as he says he has. Yeah. Yeah. And all of the Stephen Mark dynamics were so well done. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. in regards to Layla. I will throw us off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Stephen just says, okay, if I need a recipe for a protein shake, <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Loved it. <laughs> This is generally like two guys going over one girl. This is one guy fighting with himself for one girl. Yes, one guy who doesn't understand that the Steven personality is his way of still trying to stay close to Layla while simultaneously pushing her away as Mark. And this is clearest during the world's most awkward kiss. Okay, that scene where, first off, she's kneeling down in front of him, putting the harness on and all of that. And he said, I've been waiting for this my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just such a nerd because we know he's talking about the pyramids. We know he's talking about the tomb. Yes. And again, in that situation, I would have probably been thinking about the same thing, the pyramids and the tombs, not about a beautiful woman kneeling in front of me. And you know, what's funny is that that's a very interesting thing for Stephen to say, because Stephen hasn't had a whole life. Yeah, that's true. We don't know how much of a life he did have. Yeah, it wasn't much of one. That's for sure. True. Yeah. So this is when Stephen tells her, you know, Mark's been pushing you away to keep you safe from Khonshu. And, you know, that's a that's a whole weird thing, too, because Khonshu already knows Mark loves her. Yeah, but Khonshu has been using her as a bargaining chip. Right. But the thing is, I feel like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because he already knows Mark loves her. It's not like staying away from her is going to prove that he doesn't love her. It, it doesn't add up for me. Like, he loves her, no question. So she's not going to be safe no matter what. I agree. But Mark is not the smartest. I just wish we knew more about him. We are four episodes into a six episode show and we know (laughs) nothing about the main character. But is he the main character? I don't know. Clearly, Stephen is the one who's more thought out, more fleshed out of a character. So isn't he the main character? But... When it comes down to it, and we have to remember this because we're now really dealing with the DID, apparently, is that Mark is Stephen. Stephen doesn't actually exist. He's projections. So, and it's not contradictory to say that because Stephen represents what Mark wishes he could be, what Mark wants to be, thinks Layla deserves. 
but we don't know who Mark actually is. Okay, now I'm putting my philosophy babushka on. Yes! Keeping the DID aside, you said that Stephen is who Mark wishes to be. Now, if you and I or anyone else goes on a self-improvement journey and we improve ourselves and become a kinder, more fit and loving and blah, blah, blah person, is that not the real us? We're not doing it speaking in a completely different accent with a completely different life story in a fractured mental state. True. But for Stephen, Stephen is real. And for Mark, Mark is real. Is Stephen's experiences in this world, irrespective of what kind of a life he's had, who he's talking to, his friends at work, for them, is Stephen not a real person? For them, Stephen is a real person, but it's been a lie. It's only about what they've seen on the surface. But it's not a lie. Stephen is not lying about who he is. No, Stephen's not lying. It's a lie in context. It's not intentional. He doesn't know it's happening. And there, there's no motive or intent here, but it's a false reality. But for Stephen, it's not a false reality. It is reality. Right, because he doesn't understand what's happening. Okay, keep two different people in a room, show them something, and they can have different interpretations of it based on their experiences. So which is real? Do you know what I really wish one of us had right now? What? A doctorate in psychology. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, these are the larger questions of the universe, honestly, about reality. And about what's real. Yeah, they are. And that's why saying that Stephen is not a main character is not accurate. He is and he isn't. For us, as the audience, Stephen is the main character. We have spent the most time with him. We care about him the most. And we want Mark to show up to save Stephen. I agree. So for us, Stephen is the main character. Yes, but we always have to remember that Stephen is Mark. A part of him, sure, yes. What was the original point of this? I don't know. Bear with us, everybody. We're bouncing around a lot. (laughs) Our brains are melting. We're doing our best. Yeah, and for this episode especially, please let us know what you think on Twitter or IG at Marvel Madams. And how can you not love Stephen? going through this tomb and making all of these little discoveries. I shit myself, but I'd be through. I swear to God, I have said those same words. I, I think I said it to you. Yeah, I mean, if if some animal like that came to life and talked to me, I, I freak out a little bit when my cat is kind of able to actually say no. <laughs> yeah, but it is exhilarating and you read all these stories i mean it would be amazing for them to come to life and ask you a riddle he's like a kid in a candy store right now well before he died presumably he is and you know i keep coming back to how convenient it is that steven has all this knowledge (laughs) like he was i don't know maybe preparing for this all along perhaps you never know mark may have you said that in the previous episode maybe mark created Stephen to have an interest in all of this to prepare for this. Yeah. 
if any of our listeners are psychologists or have studied psychology in any way or DID in any way, please tell us how much control is the main personality able to have on their alters, if at all? Yeah, I know we have at least a, a podiatrist who listens. Dr. Lundy, we'll even take your opinion on this. <laughs> Anybody with <laughs> MD after their name, and I don't even like doctors, so that tells you something. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get further into the DID stuff in a minute, only because my thoughts are so scrambled right now. I can only reorganize them so much. <laughs> I thought it was really cool the way they brought Alexander the Great into this. Yeah, I was a bit confused about that. I did not know that he was a pharaoh in reality. Yeah, he was all over the world naming cities after himself. The lineage of Alexander the Great is a little more than our brains can handle right now. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit complicated. So not going to get into the differences of of Egypt and Macedonia and Greek and where he may have been from, was from, what he took over. I can't do it. Yeah, and I personally don't know much about him or Greek history too much, so I'm a bit lost. With that said, though, I can't wait to see who gets offended about it and why. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so how'd you feel about those chunks of meaty bits? I was okay with the chunks of meaty bits. The sound design was amazing. It sounded like a dog food commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bit little wiggly in my tummy. Yeah, you're right, though. The sound design of that creature just kind of fiddling around in there looking for parts. That was pretty gross. Yeah, it was very, very slimy. And the clicking was very well done. Yeah. That actually reminded me of the clickers from The Last of Us. It reminded me of the aliens and signs. Okay. Well, now that everyone's tummies are settled, seems like the perfect time to introduce you all to the Quick Bites podcast which will fortify curiosity seekers with meaty bits of information. Hey, this is Pauline Altman, the host of Quick Bites. Quick Bites is an education podcast where I pick random topics and teach you the basics. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, and you can find me on Twitter at QuickBitesPod, because there's fun in learning at random, and Quick Bites does the research so you don't have to. Back in the days when I ran my own web design business, I only backed up my important data on an external hard drive. Oh, the follies of youth. So when my brother dropped the hard drive and I lost three years of my life, I was devastated. Is he still alive? Yes, but I considered burying him under the floor. Once I stopped crying, I realized I needed a more reliable backup system. Enter Backblaze, the set it and forget it cloud storage solution. For $7 a month, Backblaze protects your most important data from life's little curveballs, like clumsy siblings, rowdy kids, and mischievous pets. And with its simple interface and easy setup, anyone can use it. I'm certainly proof of that. Sign up now for a 15-day free trial using the link in our show notes, which also helps support the Marvelous Madams. Backblaze. When it comes to data, they have your back. And one of the big things you gotta love about Steven is that he's just so goddamn relatable. Mm-hmm. When, he, yes. when he knocks over that huge table of God knows what onto the creature, I squished it. I squished it. <laughs> yeah, that's like us squishing a cockroach and saying, yes, we did it. Tell me about it. This past weekend, I was down here in my massage chair for an hour and my cat was being a pain in the ass 
needier than she normally is. She's back behind the chair and she's batting around. She's playing with my shoes. I'm like, Becky, what are you doing? And she's just driving me crazy, batting stuff around. And then she moves out onto the carpet. And it's at that point that I see the biggest fucking spider I've ever seen in my life. And my first thought is, <laughs> what do I have to squish it? So yes, I understand, mm-hmm. Stephen. Yep. I get it. And one of my favorite parts of this episode, I'm sorry, Mr. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. And again, credit to Stephen to keeping the contents in his stomach during the dismembering and as well as trying to take out the Ushapti from Alexander's throat. Yeah, there's not enough money in the world. Nope. <laughs> When he was putting his hand down the mouth, I, was, I, I just kept saying, no, no, a spider's going to come out, a spider's going to come out, or a beetle is going to come out, something. Yeah, that was like, uh, yeah, it kind of reminded me of uh, Silence of the Lambs when they pull the pupa out of the poor girl's throat. Mm-hmm. Ugh, super gross. Yeah. But at least uh, Mark was giving him encouragement. That's it. Get in there. Reach in there, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Mark would not have had a problem with that. Okay, so question for you. Yes. Why was Mark able to take back control from Stephen when Layla wanted to talk? I think it was a combination of Stephen saying, fuck me, this is beyond my pay grade. And Mark saying, I have to talk about this. We need to get out of here. Oh, so you're saying Mark wanted to deal with it because they had to get out of there and he knew she wasn't going to budge. Yeah. But he was still trying to get her out of there without dealing with it, though. That's his default. He thought that he'd be more capable of getting her out of there than Stephen would when she's so worked up. He probably has experience dealing with her being that worked up. I mean, there were plenty of moments. He even says it to Stephen when they're in the truck. You're going to get us killed. Let me take over. And he couldn't. Yes. This time, I think Stephen decided this is beyond me. I don't know what she's talking about. Let Mark help. Okay, because Stephen didn't know the answer. Stephen didn't know the truth to it and wanted to give her the truth. Right. And Mark, Mark's will at that time was probably the strongest because he knew that Harrow and gang were coming. So I think it's a combination of, yeah, we are tapping out. Okay. Could be. Yeah. That's the most logical explanation, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's when we find out he pursued Layla after her father's murder. Dude! Yeah, so see, as much as you say about Layla not coming off as a good character, like, you know, certain things are a bit icky about it, Mark takes the cake. Oh, yeah, it's equally bad on his end, if not worse. Oh, yeah. It is worse. I need to know more. I'm desperate to know more about these two, the backstory. I have to have more information. Give me the data. (laughs) Mr. Feige, I think you've found a new stalker. Oh, he, please. He'd be last on the list. (laughs) I'm going straight to Oscar Isaac. For more reasons than just the information. Two birds, one stone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Two hippos, one stone. You know, choose. Because then I'm also wondering, it's like, all right, we've got a superhero here. So was she in danger also when they met? Was there reason for Mark to believe she needed protection? 
that sort of thing. Like there's so much missing. There's so much assuming we can do on, on both sides. There is certainly a lot missing, but he also does say that he wanted to tell her from the moment they met. So irrespective of the danger, he just didn't have the guts. It's actually kind of reminiscent of Falcon and the Winter Soldier when Bucky is friends with Mr. Nakamura and the reason he's being friends with him is because he's taking care of him and he doesn't have it in him to confess that he was the reason why Mr. Nakamura's son is dead. Right. And it's a similar dynamic in the sense that that wasn't Bucky's fault at Mm -hmm. all. With Mark, it's... A little more gray. Yeah. So, oh man, it's so tough. It is. (laughs) I can see her right now and she's getting redder and redder by the moment. I am. I can feel it. Yep. (laughs) I will say I definitely... Didn't expect Harrow to shoot Stephen twice. Well, now Harrow knows that Mark doesn't have conscious protection anymore and he wants to get rid of him because now they have the Shakti. Right. Put it this way. Yes, it makes total sense for Harrow to shoot him in that moment. I didn't expect it because he doesn't have that healing armor anymore. I'm like, we can't kill him off. So I honestly wasn't shocked, though, even though I didn't see him see it coming. I wasn't shocked. Until we get to the psych ward. (laughs) I think the fact that he died in the tomb itself and he went drowning into the water is significant. Of course, you have wells in a desert. I mean, inside the tomb. I get, okay. I'm not an engineer. That's not engineering. That's a (laughs) joke. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. And there's something I think possibly connects to this. When Arthur is telling Layla more about her father and they're yelling to each other, I thought that was well done too, how they're like yelling each other across the expanse there. Mm -hmm. Or talking to each other across the expanse. When he then yells to her, wake up. Yeah. I don't think he was talking to Layla. That's because you think that this whole thing is happening in Mark's mind. Well, at first I thought Arthur was telling some kind of creature to wake up. Or even Amit to wake up. Something like that. That he was giving an order to a minion something. Because it was an out of character thing to say to Layla. He's been very gentle and compassionate with everyone, honestly. Which is one of the scariest things about him. Mm -hmm. And it's also just, you know, the kind of words he uses. He's a very old fashioned type of speaker. So to suddenly yell at her like that, wake up, like he's friggin' Alex Jones, didn't quite sit right. I thought he was yelling at her to wake up, to realize that Mark is not who he seems to be. And he doesn't know whether she knows about Conchu or not. But if he assumes she does, then wake up, Conchu is not the right way to go. Or just wake up, there's something more going on over here than what you realize. Yeah, that's if you're taking it at face value. And uh, I am covered in dirt down this rabbit hole. So, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to take it at face value because this entire conversation that he's having with her, he's fucking with her mind, irrespective of whether it's true or not. 
up until that point in that conversation, we do not know for sure whether Mark was involved in Leda's father's death or not. We don't have definitive proof. We had suspicions, but not proof. In this case, so it seems very likely that he's basically fucking with her mind, with the truth, to gain her support, to gain her on his side, so that he can sabotage whatever Mark slash Stephen are doing. And the wake up is his last desperate attempt to get her to wake up to who Mark is. Well, you know what I think is also interesting? We're told that when he was murdered, Layla's father was trying to prove that the Egyptian gods lived on Earth. Mm -hmm. That has to factor in in some way, because if it's real, the Inead's up to no good with all their little Lushapti statues there. Mm -mm, Something's happening. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. So we have the avatar of Osiris putting Khonshu's Ushapti on this ledge, which looked more like a trophy room, to be honest. There are a lot of gods trapped over there. Yeah. Can I just call that guy Evil Clark Reg? Although Evil Clark Reg is Sarge. Mm. That's a tricky one. He didn't remind me of Clark Reg. He reminded me of another guy, one Peter Jacobson from House MD. I know who you're talking about. I don't see it, but mm-hmm. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know. I just got that vibe from him, especially from the back with the ears popping out. I was so sure that he's going to turn around and it's going to be him. Yeah, because he's also playing what appears to be a total creep. That fits. <laughs> Ask him if he's also cheating on his wife. <laughs> so I just know there's some kind of connection there. There is a connection that I think that Amit, through Arthur, is playing with these gods and getting them all trapped and making them have a taste of their own medicine so that when Amit is free, she has free reign. Oh, it's like an Egyptian Agatha Christie novel. And then there were none. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. This would have been so much better than Death on the Nile as a story. Oh, man. Not one of my favorites. And that is the first book that I bought to read, which is an Agatha Christie novel. Yeah, don't get me started on the casting for the movie that I will not watch. Anyway. Haven't seen it. Gonna read it. Then I'm gonna see it because Gal Gadot is in it. I have to watch it. Don't get me started on the woman who says they're working on Wonder Woman 3. I cannot. I cannot with her. (laughs) Hey, I don't care how crappy the movie is. I'm going to watch it. She's in it. And you have no leg to stand on that to judge me. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit more about real world dissociative identity disorder here. Because Mm -hmm. if they're really going to dive into this, if any of this psych ward is real, then as I said at the beginning, it resolves a lot of the issues I had with episode three. So the classic symptoms of dissociative disorders include significant memory loss of specific times, people and events, check, out-of-body experiences, such as feeling as though you are watching a movie of yourself, which, check. <laughs> well done with the Tomb Buster, mm-hmm. uh, problems such as depression, anxiety, and thoughts of suicide, a sense mm-hmm. of detachment from your emotions or emotional numbness. And that describes Mark perfectly. Yes, as well as a lack of a sense of self-identity. 
Mm-hmm. Again, mock. Right. So if they're actually going to do this, it explains the lack of characterization for him, the lack of any kind yes. of emotion for him in episode three, depending on how real all of this is. I, I have no idea. Well, keeping the psych ward bit aside and just looking at the show and ignoring the last seven odd minutes of it, it makes a lot of sense. They've done a good job in showing Mark as this person who has DID with all these uh, characteristics, you know? He loses time. He looks depressed. You can't deny that. And he is detached from his emotions. There's not much in terms of him expressing anything. It's more Stephen. And Stephen, in his own way, is not suffering from DID. Mark is. Absolutely. Yeah, because Mark is the core. Right. And Stephen has a strong sense of self and moral compass. Mark is a bit gray. Yeah, so depending on how episodes five and six go, I am totally willing to do a 180 on how I felt about episode three. Mm -hmm. It depends on where they take this. Because, you know, after episode three, it felt like they weren't going to deal with this. Like we were just watching Marvel's The Mummy. And I was also having a lot of trouble with the pacing. But with this ending now, everything's up in the air. And here's also what's interesting. Now they've got about an hour and a half. 45 minutes each, we'll say, without any credits. They've got about an hour and a half to resolve all of this as much as possible because it appears Moon Knight will not be getting a second season. And we know this because Marvel has done its submissions for the Emmys and Moon Knight has been submitted as a limited series. Which is fine. And we hopefully will see Moon Knight in other Marvel properties. That's the goal over here. We've, in, we've been introduced to Mark and Moon Knight and he will join in on the various other shows and movies and whatnot. Yes, they have said as much. So mm -hmm. they are either doing something mind-bogglingly brilliant here or it's going to be a mess. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's going to be absolutely brilliant or it's going to be a mess. It's going to be somewhere in the middle, hopefully more on the positive side. I hope it's as good as one of those cupcakes looks. God damn. Those cupcakes actually looked really bad to me. I want one. Okay. None of the stuff looked appetizing to me over there. Nah. I'd pass. Wait a second. You just made me think about something. Find me a mental institution where they're giving out something that good. Exactly. God damn it. I have no idea what to believe. <laughs> I have no idea what to think. And let me ask you this, which doctor is going to have a whole host of canopic jars in his room? I've seen some pretty weird things in doctor's offices. Okay, fair. But the office is very weird. Yes. When I saw that white wheelchair, I'm like, is Charles Xavier hiding in the closet? <laughs> Keeping the white wheelchair aside, the rest of the ward is very clinical, very white, which is fine. Right. The cupcakes looked fake as fuck. They looked like plastic cupcakes. D Dr. Harrow's office, there were pillars in between broken walls. Yes. Broken bricks. Yeah. That is not normal. No. His entire office looked like it was an old building painted over white with the ex exposed bricks. 
Right. But here's my trouble. If this is a creation of Arthur Harrow, if this is some place he has imprisoned Mark within, whether within his mind, the dolphins. This is the reason, guys, we considered trying to rewatch a couple of the previous episodes this morning, but we just didn't have the time. In episode two, I think, when Stephen goes to Arthur's uh, little sanctuary there, and we saw all those people with headphones on watching that screen. Right. We had dolphins, mushrooms growing, plants growing. But those people were paying way too much attention, you know? Right. And they were listening to something with headphones. Right. So what if Arthur has some kind of like altered reality thing? That he's basically like holding Mark hostage in and he's created this scenario. But then I, I create a problem for myself in saying that because why wouldn't Arthur make it more believable? So you're saying this is virtual reality? I don't know. I don't think Arthur is involved in this at all. Arthur is involved only to the limit that he shot Mark. I think this is Amit fucking with Mark. And the hippo at the end is actually an Egyptian goddess. That was amazing. That was. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I did not expect the hi from her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to start a petition. I think every Marvel show now, this is the second time we've gotten it. I want every male lead to have a moment where he just lets out a crazy girlish scream. <laughs> it will never not be hilarious. Yeah. And in this case, Oscar Isaac did it twice. Yes, he certainly did. (laughs) So back to what I was saying. The hippo is actually a goddess named Towerette. I apologize if I said it wrong, but she is known as the goddess of fertility and she protects women during pregnancy and the child after birth. I'm talking about real life Egyptian mythology here. Just clarifying. And she's also known to protect the newly dead because they are as vulnerable as the newly born. So she's come in to help Mark regenerate, reborn, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say, and get out of Amit's hallucination, I think. So you think this is Mark's afterlife scenario? Not exactly afterlife. So scientifically, it's been proven that when you're dying, a lot of people have said that during the moments that they've died, they've envisioned something or had uh, out-of-body experiences because your neurons are firing in, the, in, in your brain just randomly, you know? This, is, this entire sequence happened in the time when he fell after being shot to going and drowning. It's his neurons firing and replacing all these people that he's been in heavy contact with and has been in his on his mind the last couple of episodes that we've seen. Yeah, because every person there was from the previous episodes in some capacity, sticking with a similar type of role, like the orderlies were cops. Right. And Amit has taken control but I do have a question about that because Amit is in a Yushapti, as is Khonshu. But 
she's still able to give a certain amount of power to Arthur Harrow. So she still has a certain amount of power around, and which is why she's created this, this scenario for Mark to keep him docile or make him think that this is real because she has already judged him. She knows what's in his mind and she knows what fears he has. He doesn't trust himself. He doesn't know what's real. So making him believe that everything is fake, none of it is real, that he's sitting in a psych ward is by far the most believable thing for him. Right. And that he Kaiser Soze the whole thing. Yeah. Right. What was the original point? Lost it again. <laughs> so I do think everything that happened in the last three episodes, except for the psych ward thing, is real and not the psych ward. That is a hallucination, projection, virtual reality, afterlife, whatever you put it. I couldn't help but laugh, though. When Dr. Harrow says to Mark, we don't live in a material world. I just immediately flashed to Madonna's music video. I couldn't help it. In my head. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And isn't that kind of our clue? The biggest clue? We don't live in the material world. It's all in the mind. Dr. Harrow is telling Mark that none of this is tangible. It's not real. Oh, second biggest takeaway from this episode... Ethan Hawke is now officially on the list of men who should never have a mustache. (laughs) I think he pulled it off decently. Uh, No, thanks. Nope. Nope. So there's one thing we haven't touched on yet, and that's whoever was trying to get out of that last sarcophagus. Yeah, that's the third altar, most likely, that neither Stephen nor Mark want to deal with at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, we're just going to leave him there. Yeah, and I find it interesting that Stephen's sarcophagus was a lighter design and this third altar's sarcophagus was dark, you know, like almost the color of blood. Yes, and that is going to no doubt be yet another question that comes uh, next week with episode five. Yeah, buckle up, everybody. This is a hell of a roller coaster ride. Yeah, it is. And I cannot wait for next week next wednesday so many questions i don't know if we're going to get any answers to any of them but it's going to be a fun ride yeah i don't know if this is going to turn out like one of those beautiful cupcakes or some of the goop i made in my easy bake oven as a kid but i'm watching either way those cupcakes were fake so i don't want it to turn out like those cupcakes but doesn't that tell you how deprived i am that they still look good to me true Yes, and on that note, we want to thank everyone who is supporting the show on Patreon. We're not blowing your money on cupcakes. Don't worry. It is being put to good use. (laughs) Yes, it certainly is. Yep. So if you want access to our Marvelish movies each month, including our very first on Crimson Peak, just head over to our Patreon. You can find the link in our show notes. And $5 a month gets you access to all our premium content. Yes, and believe me when I say this, when we're covering those movies, nothing is off the table. We go wherever our minds take us. Yeah, that never happens here. 
<laughs> more, more so. That's true. Yeah, more so. I made Crimson Peak into a homoerotic <laughs> gay romance. Oh my god, it's amazing. <laughs> You're right. That episode went to places I never imagined. It was amazing. I never thought of that while I was watching the movie. I don't know where this shit popped up from while we were recording. Charlie Hunnam is gonna sue us if he ever hears that. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're curious, join us on Patreon. Yes, and if you have a minute today, guys, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's it's really helping us to expand our audience and bring you guys even more content. Yes. Thanks to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Join us next week for episode five of Moonlight. If we still have our brains. Yeah. Yeah, don't get me started because Multiverse of Madness is, is coming out the day after this finale and I'm not prepared. There's nothing I can do. There's not a goddamn thing I can do. Let's put it this way. If you guys care about her mental health, Subscribe to the Patreon. It's going straight to a therapist. In the meantime, come chat with us on Twitter and Instagram at Marvel Madams. And guys, there's only two spots left for our listener roundtable. Yeah, and these episodes are heating up. It's going to be amazing yeah. to have you guys together talking to us about this. Yeah, so make your presence known on social media. Let us know what you're thinking. Everybody's going to have theories after this one. Mm-hmm. And for more content and our blog, check out our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where infinity stones are girl's best friends. Amy, I don't know what happened. I went to bed. Uh, should we do an intro? Should we? Shouldn't we do our? Oh, that would be helpful. Yeah, that introduction <laughs> thing that we do. Right. Yeah. I mean, okay. that would be helpful. Okay. Like, who are we? Who are we? Yeah. <laughs>